This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Now Tolvin and passes right circle. Borgen through to front tip. They score. Yanni Gord was driving the middle of the ice. He was knocked to the ice. But I believe he got a touch on it and tipped it past Demko. The Kraken have the lead back. It's 3-2. Myers back to the puck near corner in his own zone. Turned it over to Everly in front for Beneers. He scores! Matty Beneers in the slot wires it top shelf past Demko after Everly forced the turnover on the forecheck. And it's 4-2. Have your say on the official home of the Canucks. Myers with a shot pass into the slot. Tip. They score! Nine seconds left in the third period. The Canucks make it a one-goal game. I think it was Beauvillier that got a piece of it on the side of the net. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks lose 4-3 on home ice against the Seattle Kraken. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the home of Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shoreshaw with Vic Nazaro. We will bring in Brett Festerling into the conversation in just a moment's time. As always, get your thoughts in to our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. Or toll free, 1-888-275-0650. Canucks suffer regulation losses. Two in a row for the first time this season. 12-5-1 now on the campaign, and losses are going to happen. These things will occur as the season goes on. A lot of storylines for the game tonight. The Canucks made a real game of it late, 4-3, and Hironic got a shot off in the dying seconds for a look, so they, they were pretty close to perhaps you know doing the unthinkable and tying this game up. But like you mentioned towards the end of the game, not enough push for the Canucks here tonight, a few critical mistakes, and I don't even think Seattle was you know overwhelmingly better or anything like that but just not the cleanest performance for vancouver tonight yeah they just didn't look like they had it for 60 minutes you're right i don't think seattle dominated by any means but they did look like the better team as a whole to me and Mm -hmm. just certain things that we've based a lot of the canucks success around in terms of four check and d down the wall stuff like that i just didn't see much of it or any sustained pressure that way so uh, not, you know, not the worst night for Vancouver, but not good enough. It felt like they invited the opportunity for Kraken to make plays, and the Kraken did. Like, they have some speed along their forward line. You, you think the, the Gord goal and the Beneers goal, very preventable, and you, you just invite forechecking towards you, and you don't make clean plays with the puck, and suddenly these these chances uh, turn into goals very easily. It's a sloppy play mm-hmm. tonight in general, too. And, you know, we don't oftentimes talk about bad line changes this year. We haven't seen that a lot, but one of the goals directly happened. The, the tying goal, the first goal of the game for Seattle, the Alexiak bomb, because he gets allowed to walk down Broadway and take all the time and wants to fire one past Thatcher Demko. It happens because the Canucks can't get the puck deep, and then Pedersen uh, and McKay have peel off for a change. Miller and PDG, they have no chance. They're coming back so far behind. They don't ever catch up. They get the dash on the play. Pedersen and McKay have get off, but that's the type of play the coaches talked about before. Have clean line changes. Don't don't put your teammates in a tough spot. And that's just a sequence we haven't seen much from the Canucks so far this year, and we saw it tonight, and it cost them big. Yeah, I think those five guys we commented on, they're all kind of a minute at mm-hmm. the face-off. So yeah. they must have been out there a minute and a half. Yeah. But it goes back before that, right? It's the it's the play that leads up to the yeah. Seattle sustained pressure, yeah. which creates, creates the long shifts, which creates the bad changes. So it kind of all feeds in to all of it. So, yeah, and they just weren't clean. And I think we've seen when the Canucks had success in games they weren't good at, when they weren't clean, they kind of, the default was to still protect the middle, 
or support in the middle, that kind of thing. Whereas you saw they would kind of go off to the side or not end up in front of that. And those two pucks ended up right, right in front of the net. And Seattle guys have all the time in the world to make a play and score goals. So uh, I think just those defaults of come back to the middle and protect it would, would help a lot there. Now the Badir's goal, like I imagine Myers and Cole are just trying to do a simple, like I'll just chip this pass to you. Yeah. And Myers wipes out. Yeah, but... Also, Everly makes a good play yes. on it, too, um, and, and just kind of whips it. So it, it's, it's hard for Cole to be like, oh, I'll just go rest in the middle in that yeah. spot. But, yeah, it, it's it's the, the, the Yanni Gord one is one that's like it's Quinn Hughes kind of making that play of trying to flip that puck out. and It's bad luck, but suddenly everyone just kind of caught chasing after that. Yeah, and I don't know if it's necessarily Cole. Like, I think Cole is just that's the, the auto yeah. D-man behind the net release there. I think it's more... The far two forwards, and I, I haven't seen the re seen the play, so I might be wrong. But just it just seems like there was more support as a five man unit earlier in right. some of the games where I know they're trying to play fast, and there is technically three guys there versus one, yep. so that's what Canucks forwards are probably thinking. We were going to get this out, but yeah, it just seemed like Seattle got a couple of those opportunities where they're just. They seem too easy, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, and certainly, obviously, some, some bounces that go Seattle's way. We outlined during the, the first, inter, the second intermission, uh, the second goal that Seattle scored. No, not that first goal, actually. That we talked about the bad line change. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that preceded that was an offside that was missed by the officials. You know, the puck goes on, the Canucks ice it after that, and the pressure ensues in Vancouver's end. So obviously, that didn't go against them. Uh, we get it. We're getting a lot of reaction on the text inbox on the officials. I don't love how this game was officiated. I don't know if I want to blame the loss on the officials necessarily because the Canucks, like you mentioned, Brett, they didn't help themselves in, in any regard. But I do agree that the officiating tonight was somewhat suspect for the most part. I, I think it speaks to a bigger issue. Like, yeah, I'm not going to say you defend the official. I don't think it was well officiated the, throughout the whole evening. But we're already seeing one comment come in saying hey, the Canucks' five-on-five offense has to improve. So, yeah, okay, the, the officiating wasn't great. You can't just say, well, we're a power play team. We need the officials to bail us out. How are you going to win five-on-five? And that, to me, is going to be a bigger issue for the remaining 60-some-odd games here. Well, they did score two goals five-on-five in the late one. I, I, I'm, I'm just in saying, general, though, like, it's a worry. I don't disagree, but I do think tonight... I mean, they didn't really get on the special teams much. They had the one chance. And all three goals, even the Hoaglander goal, because Demko's back in net. I mean, all three mm-hmm. goals they scored were five-on-five five goals tonight. We're also talking, like, JT Miller sneaking one in. That's I, I not disagree. really a chance. I'm just saying tonight the five-on-five five offense. It's, it's with the goalie pulled. Uh, yeah, well, the goalie was back in when, when right, he, he scored. But my point just being, I agree, mm-hmm. but it's not like they didn't score five-on-five five tonight. I mean, they, they have three five-on-five five tallies. I think the not giving up that fourth one obviously is what what I think what they gave up tonight was a bigger issue. I think it's easier. I think it's easy to look at the two goals though and say, okay, we're okay five on five. But yeah, if you I think if you watch the video, they just weren't effective enough five yeah, on five. Yeah. Like the like the four check was they were so good in the in the whatever called the first ten games that nice streak they had. D men down. It's obvious that other teams are seeing the, the D-men down the yeah. wall and how that's such a big part of it because we had two Seattle guys flying far, far blue line mm-hmm. half the night. Yeah. So that's really stretching out the D, not only allow them to come down and then restart those second cycles, or that's what I'm seeing anyway. So, yeah, I agree with you. They did score 5-on-5, five five and they seem to find ways to score 5-on-5, five five, but the 5-on-5 five five play wasn't good yes. enough. They didn't. They didn't. Dom, not dominate, but they didn't hold their own really that much on five five. Well, For the talent they have, it feels like considering those three guys leading the the, the scoring uh, across the league, it, it doesn't feel like we get sustained pressure of, of 
like a minute long. Like think of the two goals for for the Kraken. Well, one the really long stretch at the end of the first period that was a minute plus yeah. in the zone. Then the goal that the, that leads to the opening goal for the Kraken, as Brett mentioned, it's like it's a long shift there. There's an icing. You stay in. And then there was, there was also just pressure throughout the course of the evening where the Kraken did have the puck in the Canucks zone for 90-some-odd seconds. It's that cycle game we talked about in the first intermission. How many shifts do the Canucks have like that until the final five minutes, basically? They didn't have that at all. And one thing we talked about uh, in the pregame show, and I know I kind of put you on the spot, Brett, because the coach mentioned resets, but you just <laughs> described what exactly I think what the coach was talking about in the offensive zone. They're not being able to get that second cycle going because they want to reset the puck. So you got to walk us through what you mean when you say they're trying to get the puck to go around the other side for the D-men to come down because you're right. Watching that tonight, Seattle was disrupting that the entire evening. Yeah, and they cut it off, right? You get the, the first guy comes. So when you have the two guys cycling, you have the guy in front, eventually it comes to Seattle, but the opposing team is cutting that into a quadrant. Right. You're just trying to shrink the ice and outman that area. So when that happens, you, the two guys don't really have a chance. So what they do usually is a hard rim. And then either the forward peels off behind the net and gets it and starts on the other side. But a lot of times, to really relieve it, it becomes the far demon. So the far demon is in the middle of the ice, but once it's starting to get shut down, he takes off to the far wall, and then that hard rim comes around, and that should relieve pressure and get Seattle out of that tight group and spread everybody out again. And that's where you've seen a lot of success, I think, with Quinn mm-hmm. getting it there, putting it over to Hironic. They start their thing, right? Those are those second opportunities I think Talk's talking about for the reset that they just didn't have the same amount of those type of chances tonight and Calgary, really. How can you, com- how can you combat that then? Is that they're cheating over or they're get- getting across? What's a good adjustment to that if, if teams are taking that pass away? Do you try to go to the middle a bit more? But they're still taking that away. I mean, if they take that away, it seems like there has to be a second or third option yeah. that you have to have. Cause, or it just comes down to you have to beat your guy to get there. Yeah, it's either start the reset earlier. Don't let Seattle come in tighter. So you, that's, but that's going to be a lot more of like switching sides, which right. leads to some pretty hectic, especially if you get bad ice for those D. Right, yeah, having yeah. to hold it in. One thing they could do is you pull that high forward into the middle of the D-man. Which you see a lot across the league right now. Yeah, so then you get that cycle, and then they fire it, because the wingers are kind of protecting the D-man, and then they fire it either to the high center, which the D-man hasn't gone out to right. whatever, guard against that guy. And if he's not there, then the far D-man can kind of slide down into the half-wall position through the seam. So those are things you can look at, but... They haven't really played that way all year. So that's not really, doesn't seem like that's in their system. They might have to adjust because obviously teams are adjusting the way they've played and where they've had success. And it, it, I feel like it's a conversation we've had of what's the evolution, right? right. Like you, you can have your success getting the puck in deep, and the forecheck was so strong earlier. I'm curious if this is an effort thing of like you can't sustain that and a 5% drop and suddenly you're not getting to some pucks. But we kept looking at the puck going to the point and these tip chances, and McKay if it's a point. Uh, it's, it's a post. Yeah. It's a post on, I think, a play you look at and say, oh, that's the tip play. Yeah. The, the, the Pavelski play, Rick Tockett keeps referencing over and over again. But at some point, there has to be an evolution. And that's where I just wonder, it's like, are we not seeing uh, that next step just yet? Is it some guy maybe banged up? Like Pedersen, he gets an assist tonight at even strength, but it's that first assist in five games for him on even strength. And he's a dash six in the last five games at even strength. Like, that's a bit of a worry of why that line's not turning five on five. Is it noticeable, too, that Pedersen doesn't seem right physically? 
I mean, it's it's it's, it's funny we're saying this because he still leads the league in scoring. Yeah. But watching him up close and personal, seeing him not have that same impact shift to shift, especially five on five. Yeah, I would say in the last five games, probably since it's the Eastern Swing. To me, it doesn't seem like he has that that extra gear. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he has that thing in the neutral zone where he, he's kind of stick handling, and then he turns it into a gear, and he kind of burns guys yeah. wide and, and pushes everybody drops back. Drops a shoulder, drops a head, right? and yeah. cuts the other way. Yeah, yeah, like that. that's so impressive to me, and I haven't seen that a lot in the last five games. So He kind of did it at the end where he kind of gets that rush chance on the flank, but it's not usually the way you see it. Yeah, and again, maybe a little too late. But um, so... Uh, yeah, I don't know. He doesn't seem like full 100%, but that might be just teams really zeroing in on him too. Like he's, you know, he's le- we they do have three leading scores. Mm-hmm. So you're not surprising anybody in the way you play and who your top guys are either. So they're really going to be preparing for that and watching video on that and putting their best players against them. Yeah, certainly. And uh, you know what, Brett? Great stuff as always. Calling the game tonight. Uh, we'll, we'll cut. We'll let you get home. Not not too late tonight. The, the, the final uh, minute it took like ten minutes to finish this game out. <laughs> yeah. Timeouts and reviews and all this sort of stuff. It was great. A bit chaotic, but unfortunately, Canucks come up short, lose four or three. But we look forward to chatting with you again very soon. Soon as next Saturday. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, that's Brett Festerling calling the game alongside Brett Ambassador. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar Lumber Text inbox six fifty six fifty. You can also grab a phone line six zero four two. 0650 or toll free 1 275 0650. It's great to have Brett here to break some of these things down, especially with what the coach mentioned today about what they want to do five on five. And I think that's one of the big storylines here is how do they evolve? in terms of their pressure five-on-five. I mean, the reason I keep bringing up they score three five-on-five goals is, I mean, you give up four goals. Mm -hmm. And I'm with you. They have to get better five-on-five. It's just the game story tonight. You don't give up a couple of those. It's a different night. And they had a couple of calls perhaps, but the breakdowns they had tonight, the type of stuff that we haven't seen a ton from them. Mm -hmm. We mentioned the first goal, Alexiak scores. And, And maybe some bad luck, you know, Myers blows a blows a tire and falls down perhaps but just some more uncharacteristic mistakes that happened tonight that created some really high danger scoring chances for seattle yeah the goals against stuff to me is correctable it's silly mistakes and like i i I think a lot of fans would say sit here and say i trust queen hughes to with the puck sometimes it's going to happen right he handles the puck a great deal and a flip out uh goes wrong for him then it's just chaos the rest of the way by and large, is that something you're going to see regularly? Probably not. So the Yanni Gord goal, it's going to happen. The Myers goal, it's unfortunate. It happens. Pedersen, you got to get that puck in deep. It happens. I think yeah. that sort of stuff gets cleaned up. But the goals against stuff is all correctable to me. You're right, that like facts only were facts only. Like yeah, there were even strength goals tonight, obviously. But as I said, did it feel like they had consistent five-on-five pressure? It feels like the the goals were almost arbitrary rather than, oh, they kept developing these plays and there's patterns that are are, are linking towards the opportunities. It it, it didn't feel like uh, consistent pressure. And and Quinn Hughes' goal comes off a face-off. Yeah, well, they haven't really had consistent pressure in the offensive zone for a few games now. Mm -hmm. And and certainly been been an issue for them that they have to correct. Uh, A lot of reaction on the text inbox, Bix, 650-650. Rob and Victoria, Kraken played well tonight. They also got some good bounces. Sometimes games go like that. Canucks will be fine. That's Robin Victoria. We've seen others text in, too, and, and be a bit more pessimistic. I know Travis on, on Twitter was saying, it's got to be they're the tired again tonight. Is that the excuse? Is this team falling down the same, uh, the same hole they've fallen into in the past? 
obviously the last two games haven't been great. I thought tonight they were obviously they were clearly better than Calgary. Low bar because you know there was probably if not their worst performance, the second worst performance of the season in Calgary. But it wasn't quite at the level that we would hope to see. I don't disagree, though. A lot of these things are correctable. The question just maintains, how do they generate, how do they become more cohesive in the offensive end five on five? And that's, I think, the big, the big challenge. Now, uh, are injuries playing a part of it? With Pedersen not looking 100%, Pew Suter's been now. Bluger's trying to find his way back in again. I thought the JT Miller line had a pretty strong game, especially a strong first half of the game. Mm-hmm. That's some moments later where obviously they didn't quite go the way you, you had hoped it would go for them. But as we spoke to Brett about, if Elias Patterson isn't at the level he's accustomed to being, five on five, it makes a big impact for this team. Because all mm-hmm. of a sudden the Canucks are not are missing the edge that he can provide when he's on the ice. And here's the thing. He can take the game along, right? Like, he's he's still going to be a central point of how they move the puck out, getting through the neutral zone. He, he can still do all of that. This is where you look at that line and say, okay, Andre Kuzmenko, we need a little bit more if this line's going to struggle. Mikheyev, are you a natural creator? Like, I think Mikheyev does plenty of good stuff. But can he drive a line a little bit more yeah. with Pedersen maybe at 95, 90%, whatever it is. And yeah, you're in the lineup. The thing is, that's like when you're in the lineup and, you know, tonight Elias Pedersen sits there at 21 minutes and, and look, we can say he doesn't look 100%, all that sort of stuff. Still got to perform. Yeah. Like you're in the lineup and two points are still on the line. It, it, it's a harsh reality, but, you know, we don't like to use it. Use injuries as excuses. If, if you're only capable of giving 16 minutes and there's five minutes someone else has to pick up, then that's the reality. It's, it's, if you can't give everything, then give what you can. Yeah, oh yeah, 100%. 100%. Now, he, it is coming through in a bottom line because uh, the production has certainly been there for Elias Pettersson. Uh, a lot of reaction on the text inbox. We'll hit a lot more on the other side, uh, but this one here says they're playing five games in seven nights. What kind of scheduling is that? They've, we played most of the road games. The Rangers' longest trip was five game. The Western trip they just had. What is going on? The reality is when you play an 82-game season, you're going to have... 92 days? In like, it's just, you're going to have... Tough, this every single team has tough scheduling. Yes. I would also say uh, scheduling is also predicated on the events that are held at every arena, including the arena here in Vancouver at Rogers. So it's not always the league. It's also what's booked, booked. What are the availabilities? And every team has tough schedule. They do. Every single team is going to have scheduling uh, times in their schedule when, when it's tough like this. Is it extra difficult for Vancouver because of the, the the miles they have to travel? Yes, but that's nothing new, and it's just something they have to learn to live with. And the coach today, Rick Tockett, when he was meeting with the media, was asked how much they use sports science for these things, and he actually went pretty in depth about uh, the things they're they're doing to try to increase their energy levels. He mentioned how when they're on a road trip, um, they would prefer to spend a night on the road instead of flying out if they can help it. They mentioned doing that in Montreal. So they're trying to find ways to counteract the the toll the fatigue takes to playing in Vancouver. But as far as the scheduling goes, you can't really use that as an, as an excuse. That's just the reality of the National Hockey League and every team has to go through it. Uh, absolutely. 650-650. I want to bring this one up. Uh, I'm a little surprised of how many uh, texts we're getting in about... Uh, Noah Jolson and Akito Hirose. Are you surprised, though? In particular, Hirose. Yeah, but, you know, and listen, I've, um, as many know, and uh, Austin Langley always jokes about uh, my affinity for Akito Hirose, and I'd love to sit here and and talk about how great Akito Hirose has been and performed, but I I didn't really think he had a very strong night tonight. Interesting. Again, I I mean, he had moments. He was fine. He was fine. He was fine. But but there's a lot of uh, text coming in about... um, 
these guys aren't AHL or, or aren't NHL I, team. I, I, I would say I would. I, I just feel like that's a bit harsh uh, for Hirose tonight. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think you know what it is. You know what? It's because. I will amend that, actually. I think the main reason people say that is he got dusted on that two-on-one chance late. Late against uh, Bjorkstrand. Bjorkstrand, right? yeah. And it looked pretty bad on yeah, that play defending that it. But that's play. the one play yeah, it shades things. Play. But I don't – yeah, I mean, I don't think he was great. I don't think he stood out in, in a negative way. I do think Noah Juleson really struggled. That one – Noah Juleson had a tough I think night. we've confirmed that one, and, and, and there's been games and moments where you say, okay, like, you're clearly just here for fill-in duty. Uh, I, I'm just – generally surprised that there's this much uh, Hirose talk uh, coming into our inbox for tonight where I, I don't think he was on the ice for a goal against. No, he was not. Uh, no, yeah. he was not. No, he was good. I mean, good. He was plus one on night, played 11.06. Some sheltered minutes, obviously. A lot of offensive mm-hmm. zone draws. But he played 11.06 and Noah Juleson played 12.50. I don't I didn't like Noah Juleson's game a ton tonight. Yeah. I actually thought he had some good moments. He threw a massive hit a bit earlier and timed it perfectly and he had some good moments, but I thought he really struggled with his retrievals. When he was under pressure, he had a hard time connecting the play. Offensively, the reads are kind of off in terms of uh, how and when he attacks the puck. It's it's a bit tough, and I wouldn't be surprised that we see him perhaps come out for Mark Friedman next game. Mm-hmm. And Hirose sticks in? I, I think that. I don't know if you want to go two righties again. You know, mm-hmm. I think you're better off just going with Hirose at least one more game and seeing where it's at with him before you make another decision. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 1-888-275-0650. It's Satin Bick. Canucks lose 4-3 on home ice against the Seattle Kraken right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Teams are playing four on four for another 40 seconds before Miller will step out of the box and the Canucks will go to a shortened power play. Tyler Myers back to the puck near corner in his own zone. Turned it over to Everly in front for Veneers. He scores! Matty Beneers in the slot wires it top shelf past Demko after Everly forced the turnover on the forecheck, and it's 4-2 Seattle. And this is kind of unfortunate. Miller, or, uh, Myers goes in for the reverse and blows a tire, but two of the Vancouver players, one Besser skates up the wall, and Petey goes behind the net, or Cole goes behind that, excuse me, and that just leaves Everly all by himself, or excuse me. Veneers all by himself in front of the slot there. Canucks drop a 4-3 contest at Rogers Arena against their divisional opponents just down the road in Seattle against the Kraken. And this is the Canucks Central Postgame Show on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Satyar Shaw with Big Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650, courtesy of Dunbar Lumber. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650. And uh, we are going to get to head coach Rick Talkett as soon as that becomes available to us. But a lot of thoughts coming in here. David from Kelowna. Well, the last few minutes uh, was the effort they need a bit more of. I do hope they have not forgotten, gotten too fat over the last few wins prior to these losses. Interested to hear Rick's comments on their on this fiasco performance. So uh, I think we're all interested in hearing from the head coach, Rick Talkett, and I wouldn't be surprised if he has a few choice words 
for what he saw tonight because we know his standards are pretty high. Even in wins, he's been critical. And in a loss like this, despite the fact it wasn't the ugliest loss in the world, I can't imagine he was. he's too thrilled with what he saw tonight. Uh, no, continuing the inbox here, 650-650. Deborah and Maple Ridge disappointed with Canucks nice loss of confidence and just taking shots on goal. Patterson especially, uh, he gets passes and then passes them back too much. Just needs to go for it. Too much passing back and forth for the perfect shot. Still hopeful, though, certainly uh, an, an indicator on that late power play sat where they just didn't really yeah. get a, a, a clean look. And, you know, Larson blocked a couple of shots and just parried everything away. It just didn't look like they were ever going to be active to get that good chance off. Uh, 650-650, Peacock from North Van uh, saw the game alive. Noticed Pedersen changed on the back check. Miller sauntered to the box on the back check from deep in their zone. Uh, it must drive the coach nuts. 650-650. Yeah, uh, I would imagine not too thrilled with what he saw there. Uh, all right, we are going to get to the head coach, and we'll get to more text messages, but but first, let's go to the phone boards. Let's go to Coquitlam, where we have Santino on the line. Santino, thanks for calling in. Uh, what do you have for us tonight? Firstly, I'd like to say that since the beginning of the season, I've noticed this team has averaged 5-on-5, five five, and we can't. if we're going to keep the pace up that we've been winning, we can't just be average 5-on-5. Five five. Secondly, I'd like to say that if injuries are going to be a problem at the beginning of the season, God help the team when we hit the playoffs, because it's going to be even worse. Thank you. Uh, thanks for the phone call. Santino coming in. And yeah, I mean, of course, injuries. Listen, this is why, as much as we talked about the beginning part of the season, they were 12-3-1 before these last two wins. And we talked about, all right, like they are going to face adversity. They're not going to continue at this pace. And people say, what if they are a team that's mm-hmm. going to you know, just win at that pace? And I'm like, well, look, okay, hey, I'd love to see it, obviously. I'm not saying it's impossible. It's just not likely. And the other thing about it is, Things are going to happen. Mm-hmm. You, you are going to get to a point where fatigue becomes a factor, where injuries pile up, where the bounces don't go your way. And now they've lost two in a row here. How do you come out of it? How do you clean your game up? And we come off to a good start. Teams will also adjust to how you're playing, and they'll try to change things. And we've spent a lot of time, you heard it, uh, when we were talking to Brett Festerling about how teams are breaking up, what the Canucks are trying to create in the offensive zone. The coach spoke about that this morning as well, um, setting up the matchup against Seattle. Teams are playing them differently. Now it's about how do they adjust? How do they fight through it? How can they f- find ways to overcome? It's, it's the trials and tribulations of a long season. Mm-hmm. And, hey, you may feel like they were, they were farther away than what it felt like because they were so hot to begin the season. But they creep up at, at every point, at any point. And teams have to battle these sort of things. And uh, that's why, you know, personally, I, I'm not concerned. I'm more excited and, and intrigued to see how they handle these types of challenges. Two and three in the last five, though, it raises alarm bells here, Sat. Well, I mean, I'm, of course, I mean, two, three, and one. I mean, did you, did you expect them not to have some sort of, of a course, correction? Of course. Like, of course. Um, I mean, but listen, I, 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 I do want to win- comment on the on Santino's point about right. five on five play, right? Because we were talking about it earlier, and it's it's not just about five on five goals. Which the, the Canucks, as far as a, a pure number, five on five goals, uh, they've been okay. Yeah, they're they're near the top of the league. It's it's more about. Like sustained pressure. How do you draw more penalties? How do you just keep the puck in the other end of the ice and just tire a team out? That's the sort of stuff to me is instructive of good teams that are holding onto the puck and just trying to create pressure, Mm -hmm. let alone just create the goals. And a night like tonight, you could have used a little bit more of that when the whistle is soft and you you need a little help, a little more zone time and five-on-five play. Sustained pressure to me is something that would go a long way uh, in helping that. 
No, absolutely. I think uh, all those sort of things are true, and I think that's something that can help you out. Uh, this text message here says, uh, Sat, show me another team that plays five games in seven nights, and then you can say other teams do the same thing. Almost every single team has that in their schedule. I, I implore you to go through every single team's schedule and count the days, and you're going to find those types of stretches. You are. It's nothing exclusive to Vancouver. Again, it's tougher for Vancouver with their travel because, yes, they have to collect a lot more miles than other teams do, but every other team has these types of stretches. And the Canucks are finally hitting theirs. Remember earlier this season we spoke about how the schedule is actually favorable for them? They didn't have back-to-backs to start off with. They had practice days in between. The coach spoke about how important those practice days had been. That These are just I, parts of their season. I literally just looked up the first random team I could go click okay. on. It was Detroit. Saturday, October 21st, October 22nd, October 24th, October 26th, October 28th. Literally the first team I clicked on. So this is the NHL. They can survive. Yeah. But going back to, hey, play tired and all this sort of stuff, you've got to find a way. Oh, you do. That's just what has has to happen in the league. And I just found one for the Vegas Golden Knights. They're in the midst of one right now where they started, where uh, when they finish playing it, they're going to have played five games of seven nights. It's just, it's just part of the... We don't need schedule talk. This is just a, just a reality but again, of the league. I, again, yes. just, just want to answer the questions to those wondering, and there we go. Just quickly look at it, and you, you find all these things. All right, uh, keep the thoughts coming into the text inbox. Let's continue on the phone boards. Let's go to Vancouver, where we have Kyle on the line. Kyle, thanks for calling in, buddy. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Hey, gentlemen. Just got out of the uh, Canucks game. Um, was looking good. A little disappointed, though. But uh, just wanted to say... That Hughes, oh my God, looking like stellar, like always. Um, Petey, uh, looking a little questionable. But uh, Hoglander, oh my goodness, he's looking beautiful. Yeah, he, he does look really good tonight. What would you like best about his game? All right, that's Kyle Levanker. We dropped him off. But, uh, you know, I'd say that for, for Hoglander's game tonight, we'll hear from the head coach coming up in just a mm-hmm. minute. There were some moments you heard the coach also get after him a little bit. There was a back check it looked like he didn't like. But I thought overall, as the game went on, he got stronger and stronger. And I think there's a reason why the coach put him out there for the six on five when the Canucks were down two goals. Yeah, he got better as the game went along. Um, the play I really didn't like is the three on one yeah. where he blocks Brock Besser's shot. They're both going for the same post. And, and Hoaglander's just like so focused. Like, oh, I'm going to get the puck. You know, if he- drive that D-man out of the way and you open up the spot for Brock Besser and at least the shooting lane to the yeah. very least. Um, that one to me was rough. And But yeah, he we, we got some tweets here as well from Nuck News. He's like, Hoaglander needs more minutes. Uh, get him on the top line over Kuzmenko. Uh, an option. Uh, but we'll see what the coach has to say about it. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of the head coach, here is Rick Tockett after a 4-3 loss against the Seattle Kraken here in Vancouver. Yeah, I mean, sure. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different reasons why we're, we lost that game tonight. What stands out to you in terms of... Our changes were awful. Long shifts. You can't, you can't, that's 500 hockey. You can't win that way. You know, um, it wasn't good enough for like... Uh, you know, if, if we're going to really have the staples as our Bible, um, it wasn't good. This awful changes and long shifts, and that's what happens. You know, uh, both teams played... You know, there's no excuses. They played as many games as us in those days... They were a little bit hungrier on pucks. Basically, that's really the game. When there's two tired teams playing, and it's sort of a sloppy game both yeah. ways for most of it, is it as simple as the team that makes the fewer mistakes is going to get the two points tonight? Yeah, it's the team that's willing to do the right things. You know what I mean? And um, 
than Seattle did. We didn't. We had we had some awful changes. Awful changes. You know, you, you, changes lose you hockey games, lose you playoff series. Um, you know, you, you got you have to change properly, and we didn't. I assume too the change coming out of the icing right before the Alexia goal. Their their one one goal um, would yeah. would sort of stick out to you as as one of those changes was. Is that sort of an example of what you're getting at? Yeah, three guys change. You can't change. In the second period, you had your forward lines in a bit of a blender. Was there a reason for it? We were sort of trying to come up with. Uh, with, with I was stuff. trying to find out who was going. But, you know, our D were getting a little tired, um, and you need your wingers to snap into people. And I felt they were a little slow snapping into people because you know, um, and I just, there was four or five guys that just weren't ready to win a battle so i was you know i had the blender going yeah i was trying to find somebody who who was going felt like you'd benched kuzmenko would you call it a benching of kuzmenko he's he got out of the rotation kuzi's got to start to play a little harder um the the sloppiness i mean you talked about fatigue the other night and learning how to play tired but was was the sloppiness today about your team well that's what i mean like when you're tired you just got to play you just got to be really smart you know um you know you're out there for 30 seconds you get the red Get it in deep, you know. Get one guy safely off. Get another guy, you know, stay in your structure. And then we I think on the fourth goal we make a switch. Then we leave the guts. Of, you know, we, we're usually a pretty good team of, of getting the guts of the ice, and we're leaving that guts of the ice open. Um, and then that's when goalies have to play post to post. And I hate going goalies have to play post to post. So you got to protect the guts of the ice, even when you're tired. We just chatted with Ian Cole and. We kind of talked about what it means to be a team that can play when you're tired. He's been on a lot of successful teams. He said there's no one blueprint, but like, what's this team's blueprint? Playing tired? Yeah. <clears throat> well, if it's a one-man forecheck and there's three guys back, let's make sure that we're in our position. Like, We can't all just go for a skate. That's, I know you're tired or your mind's not there. That's where you got to really lock in. You know, I have to be here in this situation. You have to be there. Whether your your tongue's on the ground or not, you can't just go for a skate. So that's what I think Kohler's talking about. It's not it's not one thing. It's just cumulative stuff, you know. And for Quinn, he scores the seventh goal of the season tonight. Um, took him a while to do that last season. He's one off his career high. Uh, how much respect do you have for a guy like that who goes into the off season identifying his shot as a weakness? And how yeah, his shot's great. It's an unreal shot tonight. Great shot. What did you uh, think of the second goal, the Eberle goal? The high stick. Yeah, I don't know. They went to the. I don't know. They, honestly, I didn't. I haven't really seen it. Like they go to the NHL anyways. Like, they don't. They magnify it. They blow it up. So I, I honestly, I, I don't have. A, I don't know. You got to just trust that they they made the right call. I honestly don't know. That is Canucks head coach Rick Talkett. Not happy. I'd stop short of saying it was a blistering press conference, but he called the changes awful, long shifts, and says if we're going to have our staples as our Bible, it wasn't good enough. They were hungrier than we were on pucks. They were a team, the Seattle Kraken, that were willing to do the right things. We didn't. Changes lose you hockey games and playoff series. And on the topic of Andre Kuzmenko, a very terse and pretty quick response. Kuzi has to start playing a little harder. And that's all he said. He just right. left it at that. And, so. and there were two separate eight-minute stretches where Kuzmenko uh, did not see the ice. In the second period, uh, 12.31 to go, and then gets back on at 4.19. Uh, and then 
6.16 to go and didn't get back on, t- sorry, t- till 10.13, so that one's a little shorter. But still not great. Yeah, not great. Man, he was, uh, terse is a great word for it. Yeah. Just, you got to play harder. Yeah, got to play harder. And, you know, on the topic of Andre Kuzmenko, the guy came off taking a shot off the chin, right? Yeah. And like, you know, 100%. But, you know, the coach doesn't care about that. To him, it's, and you know what? This is the mentality they have in the NFL. Is if you're healthy enough to play, you're, you're healthy same, enough to make the same effort. You got to work hard. The same point I made about Elias Pettersson, right? It's like, yeah. hey, if you're playing through something, you're still got to go yeah. commit and play. You got the clearance from the doctors. Not going to wear the bubble on your chin? Okay, then fine. We need something from you. Yeah. Like, you're going to play on the top line with Elias Patterson. We we need something. Now, in general, I think Kuzmenko's been a far more well-rounded player this year. But tonight, was he noticeable? I didn't notice him. No. I noticed him for a lack of shots on the power play. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I noticed. A few opportunities, you know, I couldn't get it through, wasn't able to get a shot off at times. That's what I noticed from him, but not getting involved one really shot offensively. Tonight, yeah. uh, one giveaway and no block shots, no hits. One shot attempt from Andre Kuzmiko tonight. Yeah, not great. Not great. Not great. Plus one, though. Yeah. <laughs> Something. Something. 100%. 100%. Um, and, you know, on the other aspect of, of it, Protecting the guts of the ice, leaving the guts of the ice open. And when you're tired, you got to be really smart. I don't think he has much time for tired being an excuse to make bad decisions. I think he can live with, hey, you can't generate maybe offense and it's harder and all this. I think he can he can understand that. I don't think he has much time for that whole idea of... The line changes thing is, is I imagine, beyond, beyond maddening. Because like the Pedersen one, I, like, I get you've been out there for so long, but... You make that turnover, you're better off just trying to get back and just kind of be in the way as much as you can, just to concede all the ice. Alexiak had so much time to walk into this being the trailer and just unload on that shot. Uh, you aren't giving your, your, your teammates the chance to do it. Uh, you know, We had the text coming earlier about, oh, Miller kind of did that too. Yeah, the, the, the shifts is something that was was something that they wanted to harp on when Taka came in. And, you know, we've not even talked about that this season, Sat. We, we talked about that on large stretches for a lot of players the past couple of seasons. The changes aren't good. No, they, they're not. And they lead to transition chances. And that's, that's been something that's been clean for them mm-hmm. for most of the season. And the fact that it happened with some of your best players, I think that's a big frustrating part. Uh, and he's, he, you know, he said that can't happen. That change on that first goal, the Alexic one, and we broke that down you know, pretty well, too. And that can't happen. And to me, that stuff wasn't happening in the first period. We actually lauded the team in the first for some of the back pressure taking some chances away they collapsed in front of the net they took away those chances uh, they they, uh, they were able to not prevent the second opportunities for Seattle on those pucks and they took away the trailer effectively and as the game went on they got away from it and this goes back to something that we talked about in terms of habits and how hard it is to, to establish and maintain new habits mm-hmm. and after a while you get away from some of this stuff again and this is just part of that evolution where you get away from it you correct it and it, it gradually gets to a point where it becomes you know muscle memory clearly it's not quite there yet for this team but you can't really expect it to be there through 18 games regardless of how well they started it's going to be a bit of a process but now it becomes another marker for the next game 
Is this something they're going to stamp out of their games? And the coach pretty much challenged him. He said, we talk about our staples. He's a big staples guy. And he says, if that's our Bible, which means these are our non-negotiables. We have to live and die by these things. Are we ready to accept this or not? And I think that's a pretty strong challenge to the team. Uh, 650-650, catch up on some text here. The G-Man says, uh, guys, defense is missing Susie big time. Not very clean coming out of our own end and chasing in our own end. A lot of thoughts uh, similar to that one as well. This one, uh, Sabres Raw. Well, PDG, PDG, sorry, screwed that up. Uh, Looks like he misses Abbotsford these days. And Miller's trying to find him. He's given up better options so he can throw uh, PDG a life ring. Uh, But PDG on that line looks like it's not going to last. Great 12 games or so, but unless he raises his battle level, I won't be there for much longer. Regression team-wide. Yes, Pedersen needs two weeks off as well. That's from Sabres Rob texting at 650-650. Yeah, good thoughts coming in there from Sabres Rob. Um, uh, this one here says, I'm not alarmed, but a bit uneasy because I feel like the play went downhill since the start of the Eastern Canada road trip. But at the same time, I thought the hectic travel could have played a role in that. And Bieksa seemed to think so as well. And, and yeah, the tra- all that stuff... Again, mm-hmm. it can all come through. If you're trying to become a team that can take another step, you have to find ways to overcome the fatigue. And the coach himself is not making excuses. Mm-hmm. If, if people want to make excuses for them, go ahead. But the coach is not willing to do so. Plus, it's there's nothing you can do. Vancouver is located on the map where it is. They're just going to travel more than everyone else. Hey, wh- what's the option? Are you gonna, just going to wave yes. a white flag and just be so, like, hey, we, we're not going to win. We're not going to be successful. What are you going to do? Let's, so, let's go play in the AHL where it doesn't matter anymore. Like, so you, you, you've just got to work your version of the problem. It like, is yes, what it is. It, it might be unique to you, but you've got to work it however it is. And, you know, in the back end of the season is where you'll get the reward because they play a significant amount more of, of home games. I, I think they have a seven-game stretch uh, in March, late March. And, yeah, it's it's a marathon to get to March. But they're going to come home. They're going to play Winnipeg, Colorado, Washington, Buffalo, Montreal, Calgary, L.A., Dallas, Anaheim. Sorry, it's nine games sat. They have a nine-game homestand basically from March night to March 31st. Mm-hmm. And you know what plays a part in that? Like I said, building availability. Mm-hmm. So in terms of blaming the National Hockey League, I mean, we can blame the NHL for a lot of different things. They're the travel in Vancouver is what it is. It is going to be what it is going to be. You have to find ways to overcome it. And again, it's not about you have to go out and excel, but you can find ways to make better decisions. And ultimately, that's what it comes down to. Because uh, yes, like I didn't think this was one of those games where Bic, Seattle was coming at Vancouver wave after wave. They were holding on for mm-hmm. dear life. There were opportunities there to be had, and there were some critical mistakes Vancouver made, which which led to the game. We're talking about the, the first I, goal. We talked about like two sequences yeah. were very correctable. You don't make those mistakes. We might be talking about overtime, a different outcome at the very least. I, I think Seattle played a style of game that I think Vancouver was playing earlier where – didn't make mistakes and just waited for the opposition to make mistakes. Yes. And they were much cleaner in certain areas. And this text comes in uh, 650, 650. Seattle checked better and transitioned out of the neutral zone better. And yeah, there, there, was, there was an element yeah. of they just won the pucks uh, that were behind the line and the, the Canucks gave them those opportunities. Myers' play uh, is absolutely correctable. As you mentioned, three guys that are back on that play with the one guy uh, pressuring in Eberle. And yeah, Myers doesn't get a ton on that puck. Eberle tips it and Myers wipes out, but there's ways to make simpler plays that tonight Seattle just just waited to to pounce and they capitalized on their chances. No, they certainly did. Uh, You didn't read this one from Tim and Van, did you? I don't think so. No, so Tim and Van here said, Canucks haven't put a 60-minute effort 
of outworking and outbattling another team since game one of the season. Their early PDO hit the stretches with a lack of compete. They need to work harder for the entire game. Tim, Tim and Van. I don't disagree. I don't disagree that they can work harder at times. I disagree, though, that they haven't put together that type of effort since game one. Dallas? Uh, I think the Dallas game was outstanding. Mm-hmm. I thought the Rangers game, they lost in overtime 4-3, mm-hmm. but you can't tell me that wasn't a 60-minute battle where they were going toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. Um, I, 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 don't, I don't know if I, I, I'd agree with we haven't seen this since the first game. I think we've seen some pretty strong efforts. The Seattle, the, the St. Louis Blues game where they completely Montreal? assaulted that one, one away. I guess um, Tough first period. Tough first period. They got better afterwards. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, to me, there's been a, a number of games where they have been better. Like, I don't get the – I don't have the same sense of doom. And I'm not saying Tim and Van has this, but there is a sense of, oh, this is – you know, it's coming. Their regression is hitting. They're not a good hockey team. Mm-hmm. Now we're all going to find out. I'm not quite sure. I'm quite seeing this stretch the same way those people are seeing it. Uh, a couple of good texts here, though. 650-650. Ashton and Surrey. My main concern this whole season has been – if the Canucks can sustain this heavy forecheck style of play that they have, it feels like over 82 games, a lot of ebbs and flows playing this type of way, even though it's been highly successful and the right way to play come playoff night, playoff time. Uh, side note, absolutely love Brock Besser and Nils Hoaglander, how they're playing. Uh, they're coming up with pucks and tons of hard work, and I love it. That's from Ashton and Surrey. Look, the, the effort level, like the way they played for the first 14 games, it was such high energy, and when you play that way, it's going to wane a little bit. And it was the concern. I was like, I, I, the PDO stuff and the shooting stuff, for me, went hand-in-hand hand with how hard they were playing. If they eased up on that, would we see the chances kind of go away? It does feel like these last four games, it's not as active. It's not as energetic. If you want to chalk that up to travel and that's all it looks like, okay, we'll see what it looks like. This is the first time we've seen of maybe the, the high intensity mm-hmm. that they wanted to play is starting to decrease. Now, Go back to what Rick Taka just said, long shifts, right? You play in these long, long minute, minute 20, minute and a half out there, are you going to be able to skate yeah. as hard? Are you just making it harder for yourself? It, it's all these things all, that work they, together. They all compound, and it's having that discipline. And one of the things we talked about good teams last year, I remember, you'd see this even, uh, the, like the example I love was Colorado and their consistency at times, even last year, despite the injuries. They'd be trailing a game 3-2. But they're still making the same smart puck management decisions. Kale McCarr has a chance to maybe take a guy on and maybe beat him and do something else. But what he likes to do is put the puck in deep or hold on to an extra beat, wait for the puck support to get there. Basically, they have staples as well, and they live and die by them. If you're down by one goal, you're not cheating. You're not going that extra mile because you know that if you stick to what you're doing, the chance will come for you. And if it doesn't cap it for you this game, don't worry. It'll add up, and over the course of a season, it'll still work out for you. But when you lose that discipline and you get out of what you're supposed to do as a team, that's when those things start to wane. And it's an evolution that takes time to really master and overcome. And I think that's one of the reasons why the coach is so tough on them in these moments when those things, the staples that he talks about, aren't being met. Because that's that's your chance to really hone in on it. And you just hope the players keep buying in, keep really working towards it, and that becomes second nature again because it takes time. For, for as good as the beginning of the yeah. season was, it takes time for new habits to become muscle memory. And even just the, the, the style of play, there was a formulaic way that the Canucks were playing. It was very methodical. Just take hey, it's in deep, set it up, try to win a battle, you're back. It, it was 
rather monotonous at times, yeah. where it was energetic and it was it was fun to watch because they were very aggressive. But th- there were stretches in the first, you know, from from games one to nine, where. It, it, it was simplified and it was effective, and they were executing it. And now it looks just a little bit looser, uh, and and you're seeing some seams kind of get torn at f- uh, for the team. Well, and that's something they have to really hone in on. Tommy from Sydney says, um, "Love the approach from Talkit, but how is that going to play in the dressing room? Will the tough love work?" It's a good question from Tommy. It has worked so far. Yeah. I don't believe. I have no reason to believe it's not going to work, but. The longer you have to be tough on players, the more important it becomes that it, sure. it, it, it goes through. Because at some point, if you're tough on somebody and it never goes through, it'll, it'll become inevitable where they're like, mm-hmm. just whatever, man. I don't think, obviously, they're anywhere close to being there at all, right? Like, I, yeah. I think there's a lot of, like, I, I'm, I'm very much sold on Rick Talkin mm-hmm. and how he handles things and how he views things and, and how he does these things. But it's still one of the things that we have to see how it plays out because he's not afraid of being tough on guys. And it's great as long as they respond. You just hope the team gets to a point where he doesn't have to have these types of comments post game. I think it's easier to be tough when you're doing unilateral stuff. Like the line changes. Yeah. Collectively, they'll know they have to be better. Okay. And Again, that was really the first time this season where it's been an issue. So if you want to be tough on that one and say awful line changes, like these are our staples, we we, we, we abide by our Bible. That to me, be, be as tough and as consistent on that as you want. The stuff where you're saying Kuzmeko has to play a little harder, that's the stuff I look at and say, it, as far as individuals, if you're singling someone out every single time, that to me is a bigger concern. And yeah. that's when maybe guys will start to tune it out. But by and large, if you're if you're doing it across the board and saying collectively our line changes need to be better and you're not singling people out, that to me is okay. Yeah, no, I don't I don't necessarily disagree with that. We'll get back to more of your text messages, more of your phone calls, and we'll hear from JT Miller Quinn. Yes, the shift went a little long. Awful and timing. Equal, yeah. Awful timing. We gotta be better. We gotta be better on the <laughs> clock. All right, we'll be back more. It's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar after a four three Canucks loss on home ice against the Kraken right here on Sportsnet six fifty. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Canucks Central Post Game Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Clear to the line, Borgen held in with a shot stop by Demko, rebound in front. Tolvanen couldn't settle it. It rolled off his stick into the corner. Now Tolvanen passes right circle. Borgen threw it in front. Tip, they score. Yanni Gord was driving the middle of the ice. He was knocked to the ice. But I believe he got a touch on it and tipped it past Demko. The Kraken have the lead back. It's 3-2. to two. And these are forwards are so good in front, you really need to have their stick. Our changes were awful. Long shifts. You can't, you can't, that's 500 hockey. You can't win that way. You know, um, it wasn't good enough for like, uh, you know, if we're going to really have the staples as our Bible, um, it wasn't good. This awful changes and long shifts, and that's what happens. You know, uh, both teams played, you know, there's no excuses. They played as many games as us, and those days they were a little bit hungrier on pucks. Basically, that's really the game. 
The head coach not mincing words after four three loss on home ice against the Seattle Kraken, and this is the Canucks Central post game show on the home of Canucks Sportsnet six fifty and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Uh, Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox six fifty six fifty, and we'll hit those uh, coming up as well. The Canucks tonight, obviously not at their best, dropping a four three decision against the Seattle Kraken. The, the coach wasn't too happy about that. And our text inbox, well, it has a bit of everything in terms of the response. Responses coming in, Vic. 650, 650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. Kevin says, I think the word you're looking for is urgency. Players were sluggish, relaxed. Where's the urgency uh, coming in? That's uh, Kevin Lotso texting in. If your players, top four players, are going to play around 20 minutes a nice. Twenty minutes a night endlessly. You better start using your staples to fix the gaping holes in the blue line and read your hockey bible about. Thou shalt not ask for a miracle nightly. That's Lotso texting in 650, 650. And one more here, uh, Rob and Courtney. Good show, guys. I uh, just want to say Canucks look slow, not ready to go. I can only hold the coaching staff and the captain. Uh, maybe, but that's not uh, It's not at all uh, what it was set to be out earlier uh, from Rob and Courtney. It's just on the idea that they look slow. Uh, you know, we, we get heard this. Like, oh, they, some players look faster. Not entirely convinced that that's true. Uh, yeah, I don't, they were playing faster. I don't know if they're, they're. You know what it was? Guys moving their feet more effectively. Sure. And playing smarter. You look faster if you actually move your feet consistently, mm-hmm. but also make decisions faster and you mm-hmm. play more connected. There's that no, connectivity hasn't quite been there in terms of their like game. Like the Juleson penalty. Yeah. Feels like we've seen that a lot more. Uh, where this puck where you can just move it first time. You bring it back, you invite the pressure from Andy Beniers, and you end up taking a penalty. There is a lot of that happening, more so than just a quick pass, make the quick decision, get out of the zone. And plays like that where guys are kind of dusting the puck off and trying to do too much uh, have really stood out here recently. Yeah, 100%. Um, As far as how the players themselves felt, we'll get to some more of your thoughts here, but I think it's instructive to hear from the Canucks players tonight. JT Miller was pretty honest about what he saw tonight, and here he is talking about what went wrong against Seattle. Yeah, especially when we're, uh, you know, we didn't have our best today. Yeah, I found a way to get into the game and have it, a, you know, tied up going into the third. We expect, you know, we got to find a way to get that killer instinct when we don't have our best, and, you know, we'll learn from it. It's still a day-by-day process for us, so we'll learn from it tonight, regroup tomorrow, and get ready for the next one. It seemed to make it tough on you guys trying to gain the zone that team. Yeah, they did a good job in the zone today. Um, you know, when teams do that, we need to learn to be a little less stubborn with the puck and make it a little harder on them. Um, you know, they played a good game today. Is it one where the team that makes fewer mistakes kind of wins? Because it doesn't look like didn't look like either of the teams really were had their A game tonight. Yeah, they just made it hard through the neutral zone. You know, we had uh, we turned the puck over a lot today. Uh, got into a little bit of a track meet game, which isn't really our game, and. We just didn't play up to our standard. Simple as that. Can you take anything away from the push at the end? I mean, we didn't quit, but I don't. I think that's part of our identity. Is we we, we never really quit, and I don't think any team. Should, you know, I don't. I don't know. Take what you will. JT, it's been a month uh, between consecutive losses for your team. Like it was October nineteenth since your club last last lost two in a row. Um, can you take anything, I guess, from the month of sustained success your club's been able to put together in bouncing back from this? I mean, it's all good. I mean, we know uh, you're going to lose a couple in a row. 
like 82 games, all the best teams, you know, where, you know, even the guys at the top of the league lose games consecutively. It is what it is, but I think sometimes, you know, you can lose games in better fashion than others. And I thought tonight we just didn't, we had an opportunity to, you know, salvage something and we, we got outworked and, um, um, but to be honest with you, we're not really worried about the past that we've been talking about day by day and earn the day for like a month now. So we're not really worried about what happened before that. Um, we had total control of the outcome of the game today going into that third period, and uh, they outplayed us. So we're going to learn from that and then uh, worry about tomorrow. That is JT Miller post game, and obviously said they have to be a lot better, uh, but didn't seem to panic, saying you are going to lose a couple of games, and that's just part of uh, things that are going to happen. But the way they waned as the game went on was obviously something that he wasn't happy with either. And it's been the thing that they've been better at, even for the the text we've gotten, like, oh, we haven't seen 60-minute efforts. Look, if you want to believe that, it's fine. But the thing I will say is they've gotten better in games here recently. Mm -hmm. Some of the first periods haven't been up to a certain standard, but the seconds and thirds have been very good for the Vancouver Canucks. It's why they've been uh, leading the the, the goal differentials for those periods across the league. Tonight, the second wasn't good enough, and the third wasn't good enough. Uh, I would say the first period was probably their... I thought they were pretty... I mean, we talked about the first. They were up one nothing. Mm-hmm. We broke down what happened, and for the most part, they had good control. weren't making mistakes, some smart plays, and that kind of waned as the game went on, and that's what ended up costing them. It wasn't like it was a no-show or bad effort overall. It was just inconsistent and some really critical mistakes, and the coach obviously not happy with the line changes. Uh, Trucker James texts in and says, For me, both teams were tired and played sloppy at moments, but overall, Seattle played smarter as a team, and Canucks were trying to do too much individually. Individually, old habits crept in. Um, based on talks, comments, he's seeing how old habits are creeping in, and that's something that they have to get ahead of. I don't disagree with uh, Trucker James on that as well. Something they have to keep changing in on. People were pretty critical on Tyler Myers' game tonight. Uh, I, the people keep pointing towards him blowing that tire. What, what did you think of how he played? Because I didn't think he necessarily had that rough of a game tonight. I thought he was he was actually generally okay. A bit of bad it's, luck. It's, it's I the think one it's moment one moment looks say, really oh, bad. Classic Tyler Myers, but you know, two assists tonight. Obviously, um, one late for for the Hoaglander one. Um, you know, he, he has that slap pass to Mikheyev that hits the post. Uh, in general, I, I thought Tyler Myers was good. It just look one play blows it up, and uh, that that goal uh, winds up being the game winner too. Well, I mean, in terms of how the play was tilted while he was on the ice, so he controlled about almost sixty one percent of the shots when he was on the ice tonight. Two two goals, four on the ice, like you mm-hmm. mentioned, one goal against. I know he's getting some stick here, and a lot of it is, I, I think, reflexive when it comes to sure. Tyler Myers in, in many ways. But I thought he actually had a pretty solid night, and he has been pretty solid recently as well. Uh, this text message here from Dino, how did Hirose look to you? There was one moment when he got his angle all wrong. I don't know what his analytics are, but better than Friedman? Not sure after being such a Hirose booster myself. Nothing sandwich. That is Dino texting in. Uh, in terms of the shot metrics. Well, Hirose, he controlled 60% of the shots when he was on the ice. So that was third best on the team in terms of, of that. Uh, he was on the ice for one goal four, no goals against. Um, I mean, the analytics were actually very encouraging kind, and positive, yeah. kind to, to Akito Hirose. I don't disagree with Dino that there were moments where he looked uncomfortable and there were moments where he wasn't, you know, he had trouble handling the speed and he had trouble handling the forecheck. And those are the things that you worry about. And generally, he's been good at handling those things. But to answer Dino's question about what did the analytics look for Akita Hirose, I'm going to have to rewatch this game to get a real good sense of how he played because the numbers are kind of challenging what I thought it looked like because I don't In disagree real time, with Dino. Though, and look, I know it's not the 
largest of ice time for uh, Akita Hirose, who comes in uh, tonight at 11.06. He got six shifts in the first period, seven in the second, six in the final frame. Uh, I, I thought it was enough to get another game. Yeah, I wouldn't take him out for uh, Friedman. No, and again, you're playing San Jose come Monday. Is it going to be a night where you can get uh, some players up to 15, 16 minutes a night uh, on your third pair? Uh, certainly would hope so. Oh, now San Jose is playing a little bit better uh, than the last time the Canucks saw him, where they dropped a 10 spot on him. But would absolutely just look at that and say a uh, chance for Hiroshi to play some good minutes and, and get another chance to evaluate him. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And uh, could Mark Friedman come in? If he does, I would imagine it could be for Noah Juleson. C-Like says, seriously, Hironik and PDG were not hitting the net over and over again tonight. Kept sending it back. Juleson, ever dreaming. Um, uh, I mean, what is he doing with his ice time? He's not good enough. And Quinn and Hironik, just not great. Quinn and Hironik were actually almost exclusively on the ice together tonight. Yeah. Um, bit of a departure, so they went back to it. Yeah. Uh, but from basically minute one, it was... Those guys went together. So Quinn Hughes took one shift. and well, I mean, by the shift chart, not really, but he spent 40-odd-some seconds with Cole, 30-odd-some seconds with Myers, then about 10 seconds with uh, uh, Juleson and like three seconds with Hirose. So essentially, exclusively he played in all situations with, with Philip Hironik tonight. As far as defensive partners went, um, on the power play, obviously, it's, it's a four-forward power play, but... Um, I don't think his game was at, at the best. I thought that pair actually wasn't at their best either mm-hmm. tonight in many ways, and the, the coaches kept coming back to that those guys as well tonight. And Especially when you lean on them. You're one of the premier D-pairs yeah. across the league and got to be able to influence the game, tilt the ice, and probably wasn't enough uh, effectiveness from that. Even though, look, on the on the Hughes goal, uh, they link up and design play with McKay getting to the front of the net. Uh, Hughes gets his goal, but by and large, it probably wasn't as smooth. And, and there were moments as well when, um, I think in the second period, uh, they they looked like they got confused a bit and uh, just a little bit of a, a mess in their own zone, trying to just find the right lanes and um, not as smooth as we've seen them play together. Yeah, absolutely they haven't been. As far as Noah Juleson goes, somebody else texted in and said, I thought Noah Juleson played well. Did we, did we even watch the same game? So you get uh, different perspectives on it. I thought he struggled with uh, puck decisions tonight. He had a couple big hits. He was physical, and he had some moments. So I, I get if you look at a couple select moments, you can think that he had a good night. I felt like when he was on the ice, um, they were tilted heavily in their own zone for the most part. He had trouble getting out and obviously had the penalty that he took where he gave the puck away and then took that penalty and was on the ice for a goal against a nothing four. So I, I don't know if I feel like he played well. I would more be inclined with he wasn't. There were a couple of hits that looked like highlights and say, yeah. hey, hey, like he, he did something tonight. But well, in general, like minute-to-minute effectiveness, I don't know if it was there. He had a great hit on Vince Dunn, actually. Vince Dunn got his own entry, came down with speed down the wall, and he, per- and he timed his hit perfectly. He just smoked him, took the puck away from him, broke Dunn's stick, and that was a great play from him. The best play he made all game, but uh, not a lot of consistency, I didn't think, either. All right, we'll get to some more of your thoughts, but let's continue with what the players said post-game. And Ian Cole's become, become a favorite of ours. He's been very good post-game, and even before the game, talking about what he sees on the ice and, and how the team is kind of coming together and here he is post game talking about how uh, despite the fact they lost the game was there for the taking in the third you know i think at the start of the third we had opportunity to win that hockey game um 
and did not execute well enough to do that. So um, regardless of, of how well I thought we played in the first or second, we should be mature enough to realize where we are and what the opportunity we have is and and take advantage of it. And, and we didn't. So that's a little disappointing for us. Um, you know, We want to be more aware and, and more mature than that. What areas of the game stand out in particular in terms of what you could have done better as a group in the Oh, man. Um, you know, there's, you know, breakouts could have been cleaner. Through the neutral zone could have been cleaner. We didn't, we weren't getting through the neutral zone with speed. We weren't getting pucks in. You know, we didn't have sustained pressure in the ozone too much. So, I mean, you can go from one of the rink down to the other. That, that wasn't good enough. Um, and it was forwards and it was D. Um, it was everybody. So, you know, that's, that's on all of us to be better. And, you know, we need to, you know, take a step back, look at it, figure out what was, was not good enough and, and fix it right away. Was fatigue a factor in the you know, fatigue should never be a factor. Yes, there's a lot of hockey games. Yes, time zones travel, all that. But, you know, this is the NHL. There's, there's no excuses like, oh, I was tired. you got to figure it out. With, uh, with your club having gone a month now between consecutive losses, um, are you able to lean on the success that you guys have had, you know, between Tampa Bay and, and now uh, in sort of bouncing back from this? Yeah. Um, you know, we've, we've done a lot of good things. Um, so... I'm not trying to discount all all that good stuff that we did, and you know we have grown a lot, we have matured, but you know there are just there are times in games where you know you should be able to grab this and, and take advantage of, of a good situation or an opportunistic be opportunistic in that sense, and um, you know I don't think we did that. So um, you know we had to talk about it after here. Um, you know we we were we're aware of it, and you know hopefully we you know we don't let that let that happen again. Is it week ahead or Rest, recover, be ready to go. Um, you know, we got to you know, obviously San Jose next, and then we go to, you know, play in a great team in Colorado at altitude, which is going to be hard, and then play these guys again, which is going to be hard. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a challenge. It always is. The season's a grind. It's 82 games over, you know, what, 600 or six months or so, 200 and some days. And, um, you know, it's, it, it is a grind. But part of being a pro is, is learning how to deal with that, right? So um, just got to figure it out. I thought they played very well. They did a lot of things that, that, that do make it tough to play against. You know, they the forwards, you know, they, they track back hard. They put a lot of pressure on you from behind. Even if you beat them on the forecheck, they're coming back. You know, the D are sitting right in their forwards. There's not a ton of open. There's not a ton of open ice. Not a ton of open guys. Um, so it's hard to play against. But... That's how it's going to be as the season goes. That's how it's going to be in the playoffs. And if we want to be successful, we need to figure out ways to, to get through this, right? So um, hopefully we can look at this, we can learn from it, and we can make sure this doesn't happen again, and, and we can grow as we go forward in the season. Um, I think it'd be a definite missed opportunity if we didn't learn from this. Rick spoke about you guys need to learn to play tired, and when you're a tired team, learn to play through that. You've been on a lot of successful teams. What does that look like? I think it's probably different for every team. I mean, I don't think there's one set blueprint, but essentially I would say, uh, maybe generically speaking, would be, you know, hey, let's let's play simple. Let's play a patient game. Let's not try to hit a home run every time we touch the puck. You know, let's make the plays when they're there. Let's give that little bit of extra effort to make sure we can get the puck in deep to get off the ice and, and try to stay fresh, keep shifts short, don't extend. Um, you know, those are all cliche things to say, but I think they're all... Uh, appropriate when you're trying to play that game and, 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 and not give teams you know easy goals and easy easy uh, easy opportunities so you guys did a great job of uh, not letting your guard down through all the wins um, now after a pair of losses do you have to kind of 
add some urgency now to, to make sure that you stop the, the, the losses here? I think so. I think so. I mean, um, you know, good teams don't go on don't go on losing uh, losing skids, right? And you know, good teams don't lose two games in a row. We did that, so you know, we need to make sure that we stop this right away. We can't let this turn into three, four, five losses. Like we need to stop this next game. Um, and you know, San Jose has been playing better since since we beat them. Whatever, ten one a couple weeks ago. So they've had some wins. So it's not going to be an easy game, and they're going to come. So uh, you know, we're going to need to to be ready. That is Ian Cole after a 4-3 loss against the Seattle Kraken. And uh, the voice of reason, also the elder statesman, a guy who's been on winning teams, won a Stanley Cup with the Penguins, was on the Lightning last season. And he says good teams don't lose two in a row, but, you know, at the same time, you don't let it become a prolonged losing streak. I'd say that good teams still lose two in a two games in a row. Uh, but the point that he's making is... Good teams don't go on prolonged stretches. I, I, I wonder if everyone's anxiety levels just decreased a little bit after Ian Cole talks. He's like, oh, He's like, oh okay, all, all right. right, makes sense, makes, makes sense. sense. We'll talk more about what he had to say on the other side. Ian McIntyre is going to join us. Plus, we'll hear from Quinn Hughes. Back-to-back back Ians. Back-to-back back Ians. And uh, more on the text inbox. A satin Bick right here on the Home of Your Canucks. Sportsnet 650. Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Bick Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Canucks got a couple of players off on a change as Alexiak fires it up the right wing for Beneers. Into the Vancouver zone, drops to Alexiak. High slot, he shoots, he scores! A cannon of a slap shot from Jamie Alexiak. 96.4 miles per hour on the gun. He whips it past Demko to tie the game at one. Yeah, 96 miles an hour, and he gets to go right down Broadway. You know, good teams don't go on don't go on losing uh, losing skids, right? And you know, good teams don't lose two games in a row. We did that, so you know, we need to make sure that we stop this right away. We can't let this turn into three, four, five losses. Like we need to stop this next game. Um, and you know, San Jose has been playing better since since we beat them. Whatever, ten one a couple weeks ago. So they've had some wins. So it's not going to be an easy game, and they're going to come. So uh, you know, we're going to need to to be ready. That is Canucks head, oh, Canucks head coach. It sounds like a head coach. It's Ian Cole post game after a four three loss against the Seattle Kraken. And I mean, you know, I, I was going to say with Cole, is that him guaranteeing victory. It's like, hey, good teams don't lose, don't three, lose three in a row. row. But then he was very careful to say, I mean, uh, San Jose's played a lot better. I mean, San Jose went in and beat they beat um, uh, the Edmonton Oilers. They've mm-hmm. won a couple other games since then. I mean, they beat uh, Philly, they beat Edmonton, and they beat St. Louis on Thursday. So they're actually, hey. They're going to be quite re- well rested. They didn't play Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Well, maybe they're fat and happy from winning three games. Look, they didn't have to play five games in seven days, which <laughs> is apparently the thing. Yes. Uh, Eddie, fast Eddie Gregory. Four days te- off. Fast Eddie Gregory texted me saying, one day Ian Cole is going to be a coach. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past him at all. Um, you, you know, Kevin mentions on the text inbox, I think the word we're, we're looking for is urgency. Mm-hmm. Players were sluggish, relaxed. Where is that urgency? Certainly something that has to come back. And it has to be there against San Jose. Uh, he, he went pretty far. Um, he was trying not to say, you know, they're easy opponent, they mm-hmm. played better, you have to beat them. But that's a game you kind of, it's not a, listen, it's not a must win. We're talking about a team that's, what, 12-5-1 uh, and one now on the season. And we're sitting here on November 18, talking about a loss against Seattle. Back, you know, two losses in a row for the team. It's not a must-win, but it's one of those where you kind of need to have those. You know, like you—that's the type of game you take care of business for. Bank another two points and build on that as the week goes on. 
if you're building out, hey, 100 points, yeah, they could be projected for 105 now, whatever it is. But, but let's it, say if you want to actually get, if you want to just be a team that doesn't fight for a playoff spot all year, yeah. can you be a 100-point team? How do you build towards that? I always reference, it's like, hey, what buckets are you drawing from? Yeah. Okay, San Jose, this, like, this version of San Jose, you go up against them four times, there's eight points available. I think bare minimum, you need to get seven. Yeah. Bare minimum. If you can get eight, great, but they've gotten four so far. Uh, sorry, so they got two, two so far. I mean, so, you, got them, you got them twice coming up here yeah. um, in the in this next four game stretch. They have them is at that, home. Is, is, is it five games in seven days? No, that's eight right. days. Five days. Five games in eight I, days. I just want five, games five, 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 eight, five and eight. It's five <laughs> and eight. Um, so the Canucks play San Jose on Monday. Mm-hmm. Now, if fatigue's been an issue right now, well, they travel to Colorado on Wednesday to play the Avalanche. Altitude, and then they come back and they have back to backs on home ice. No, sorry, on the road. No, they continue on the road. A really uh, odd back-to-back it, it, They go to Seattle and then back to San Jose. Yeah. So it's not getting easier in terms of the, the travel and the schedule. So fatigue's an issue then. That's why the coach is saying you have, to, you have to find a way to work through it. They have to find a way to work through it here. And taking care of business against San Jose is, is really critical in this next four-game stretcher. You want to do better than just win those two, obviously. But that's kind of where you find yourself now. If you want to, pre- if you want to prevent this from being a stretch where they lose five out of six or three, four in a row, these two San Jose games in the next four are absolutely critical to win. Absolutely. And uh, tonight uh, was their first regulation home loss, 6-1-1. On the road, they're 6-4 and four so far uh, this year. But now, like you just see the numbers, the 10 road games. They've got a three-game road trip coming up here. Yeah. Uh, it'll be eight games at home, 13 on the road once they complete this little three-gamer to uh, San Jose. And then it's, it's two at home, one on the road, and they get a nice little uh, road or homestand here Uh in to begin December, December fifth, all the way to December fourteenth, all at home with New Jersey, Minnesota, Carolina, Tampa, Florida. Well, see that that five game homestand. It's mm-hmm. great to have it, but you mentioned Jersey, Minnesota, Carolina, Tampa, Florida. Now, teams. Minnesota struggled. Carolina, by mm-hmm. their standards, have struggled. New Jersey's been a bit uneven, despite the fact that they're a very talented team. Tampa's starting to find it again. Florida's been a strong team so far this year. So this stretch we're talking about. It's not easy schedule-wise, mm-hmm. but you have to overcome it because then it gets a little harder. So if we're talking about if we can get to that December 16 four-game road trip and we're talking about this team still being five, six, seven games over 500, a really good spot. You don't want to be giving that cushion away until you get to that point. And that's why these next few games here are absolutely critical for this Canucks team. Uh, and, and again, as far as strength of schedule and all that sort of stuff, um, you know, different sites are going to have different metrics for all this. Um, just looking at hockey references, just coming into tonight, Canucks had the third easiest strength of schedule so far this year. So you knew it was going to get tougher at some stage. Yeah. And, yeah, the, there's going to come a stretch where the 22nd, for me, it's like after that, you get Colorado, you get Vegas coming up here soon. We mentioned that five-game homestand. You're going to have Dallas in December. You're going to have um, that long road trip at the start of January. It's going to get tougher. Yeah, it will. And they've done great banking points so far. Losses are going to happen. Now, how do you respond? And how do you make sure that this next stretch doesn't turn into a cold streak that really eats into that cushion the Canucks have built up with this good start to the season so far? Um, we'll, we'll hit some more of this reaction on the text inbox coming up in a few minutes, 650, 650. But Quinn Hughes, we're going to play some audio from him postgame. He met with uh, Scott Oak and Dave Tomlinson on After Hours tonight. But he did meet with the media first postgame after a 4-3 loss against Seattle. And here is the Canucks captain. 
Quinn a good push at the end, but maybe a little bit too little too late tonight? Yeah, for sure. What are your thoughts on the performance from the group? Um, I mean, obviously not our best, and uh, yeah, obviously not our best. A little sloppy, but it's a long year. Just got to keep going. The sloppiness is just about playing a lot of games in a short period of time? Um, I think that we're all... You know, a little fatigued mentally and physically in Calgary, I would say. But I think tonight, you know, everyone felt good. We just, uh, you know, didn't bring our game. Do you get an explanation on their second goal? On their second goal? That was the one no one in the building really saw. Yeah, I mean, we thought it was a high stick, obviously, and um, clearly it wasn't. But, you know, can't blame it on that. Yeah. I'm, sorry. I'm, I'm sure right now it's no solace, but you, your club went a month between consecutive losses, right? October 19th was the last time it happened. Um, can you draw anything from that sort of run of sustained success and bouncing back from this now? Yeah, I mean, I think I think that we all know we have a good team in here and, um, you know, we're going to win lots of hockey games this year and, um, you know, we're not going to, you know, go on the 10-game winning streaks the whole year. I mean, those guys wanted to win, you know, badly too, so... It's going to be nights like this, but I think there'll be more nights where we're up. Uh, that is Canucks captain Quinn Hughes after a 4-3 loss against Seattle Kraken. And he said the team's going to win a lot of games, but obviously not not happy with how they played tonight. And to a man, we heard from JT Miller. We heard from uh, Ian Cole. Uh, we mentioned we played Rick Tockett's comments after the game, and he was none too pleased with uh, the long shifts, uh, staying out too long, um, the bad line changes, which which cost them in, in a couple of situations, especially that first goal, and obviously the breaks didn't go their way. But you know, like the coach mentioned, they got outworked in some spots, and that leads to you making your own breaks in many ways. But when you hear the players at least hit the right notes, it's encouraging. It's more about how you back that up now, because given what we saw against. Calgary, and he himself mentioned this. We didn't have our legs. We were mentally and physically fatigued. But tonight, we were more ready. So that excuse doesn't apply. And I would have hoped that that type of loss would have stung more than what they showed tonight. And I think that's part of the frustration, too, the head coach had in terms of, yeah, sure, fatigue's a factor. But you had a day off. You didn't have a good performance in Calgary. We had to be better than Calgary. And we didn't meet the standard we needed to meet. Yeah, just go through the goals. Alexiak, there's a mistake. Yeah. You're, you're stuck in the zone for a long time. I know we talked about the keep by Alexiak there before the goal. Did it go out of the zone? Would, could that have been a potential whistle? Sure. But look, look the puck does come to Bovillier, and rather than a flip out, chip out, it's bank, and it almost hit the goalie. So yeah. it would have been a great one. But hey, you created an icing. Now you're out there for longer. You you recover from that, get the puck out of the zone. Patterson doesn't get in deep. You then compound that with, hey, look, this is someone else's problem. I'm coming off. Yeah, you've been. I, I get you've been out there a long time, but you, you're passing the buck. Opens up all this. That whole sequence. You had opportunity to make it preventable. Now the Eberle goal, high stick, whatever power play. Okay, Yanni Gord goal. Bovillier retrieves it. Uh, retrieves a rim around. Gives it to Quinn Hughes. How does it end up in the corner? Yeah. You don't expect that it, usually. It, it, it goes right to Hughes, right to Borgen, who shoots it. There's a rebound. Tolvanen's there. 
it, you had the puck on your stick. Mm-hmm. It was preventable. Veneers, we've talked about in great detail tonight with Tyler Myers. Preventable. We can understand, like, I think I really makes a good play. Maybe Myers doesn't get enough on it, all that sort of stuff. But preventable. Yeah. Especially when you look at three guys back for you to help support the one player, and it's just Everly. And, and I agree the Canucks have to do a better job of generating offense. But to me, when you did score two in the third one, let's just say, but they scored two five-on-five goals. Mm-hmm. They allowed four on a lot of mistakes. And yes, they have to be better five-on-five, five, but you don't make mistakes. You come away with the result tonight. Now, it's going to be a mis- mistakes that are going to happen. You can't play a fully mistake-free, but it's more about the unforced errors. And that's where you put yourself in a bad spot. And that's If someone where- makes a better play than you, it happens. Right? Like, if, for instance, like the, the, the Hirose play we've referenced. Yeah. Like, if, if Bjergsen is just faster... And he beats you. And he beats you, you live with that. You just say, look, I'm doing what I can out here. <laughs> this guy just beat me. This guy was just better. It just right? happens. Yeah. If you give the puck away... When like quality players are doing it, Pedersen doesn't yeah. get it in deep. Hughes turns it over to Borgen. It, it just that stuff's preventable. Now that stuff will correct itself because they are good players. But for in the context of tonight, all of that is correctable. And tonight they made mistakes. Yeah, and those mistakes give credit to uh, Seattle Kraken. They they turned them into goals and they turned it into two points. No, they did. And uh, the Canucks, well, they found themselves on the wrong side of the ledger tonight. A lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650, 650. Uh, people were pretty critical of Tyler Myers tonight, quote-unquote. People are always critical of Tyler Myers, Sat. Are you even a Canucks fan if you don't rip Tyler Myers, question mark? Uh, I mean, he's been a guy who's taken a lot of stick. And, hey, a lot of it has been earned. Mm-hmm. And even to begin the season, we had moments where we're like, what is going on? We there thought, was, yeah, that three-game stretch where it finally got limited to 13 minutes, we were just in like, I don't know if you can survive like this. Yeah, it was some of the worst hockey he's played as a Canuck, and there's been, a, you know, obviously some evidence towards that over the years where he's had his <laughs> yeah. struggles. But I actually think that, that this past, you know, seven, eight-game stretch now, and the coach has mentioned this himself, Myers has been a lot better. Now, again, when you haven't bought enough credit, it's people aren't going sure. you know, to give you perhaps the dues or whatever but outside of that one mistake i thought he was he was okay tonight and to me the big issue is we heard from quinn and we've given quinn all the credit in the world i even made the argument has he been the single best player in the nhl so far mm-hmm. this year best performer at least so far this year the last couple of games he hasn't been at his best and it goes to show again that when the canucks best players Okay, you don't have to be your, your best player every night, but are you playing at a high enough level consistently to be able to float your team? And especially when Elias Pettersson right now doesn't have his A game, there's clear something is, is hindering him or something is going on. They need Quinn to be even more consistent. And I thought tonight, again, for a guy we expect a lot of because he's had to set the bar so high, I don't think he had his best at, game. At bare and minimum, thought, yeah. you can't make mistakes. I thought he made some mistakes. And, and that's harsh, but... But that's the stratosphere he lives in now. Yeah. Like, it, we can't compare him to mere mortals because that's, <laughs> that's not what he is. So we, we have higher expectations of him. But, no, I, I just to some degree. But I don't think – I thought he struggled really in Calgary. And I didn't think he was great tonight. He played a lot of minutes. So did Philip Hironik. And I thought both those guys had – you know, they, had, they fought the puck a little bit. And that has been uncharacteristic from them. Uh, 650-650. I've been meaning to get this text in all night. Um well, now's your chance. I, I, was, I was just lethargic and th- <laughs> through the text messages. Wasn't competing hard enough. Uh, Matthias from Langley. Matthias? Sorry. Uh, I think that these recent performances show how important Pew Suter is to our bottom six defensively. I, I don't know if Teddy Bluger uh, has been poor. 
Um, I, I don't think he's been poor, but I don't but think it's Teddy's, still just timing, right? Yeah, I don't think he's at the level that he can mm. be and should be at. Not quite yet, at the very but least. But Suter was being vi- he was excellent. very effective. Yes, and he got and, hot too. He scored yes. it was a four and five or six games. But it, it is something I did want to mention. Talk it today, suggesting day to day for Pew Suter. So. Uh, Getting some love in the inbox of people that want to see him back in the lineup. No, absolutely. Uh, this text, very succinct. Cowards. <laughs> Are they calling us cowards? I don't know. I'm just going to go because, with it. Because amongst us, we, we love talking. To us, like I said, yeah. cowards are uh, coward is a, is a word of endearment. In uh, this one, Connor and Harrison. Hey, Stat, did you see how many successful zone entries Connor Garland had? <laughs> Analytics darling. Uh, hashtag jokes for 60. Uh, don't even get me going on Connor Garland. <laughs> He missed the pod last game. So, I mean, you know how we give Connor Garland? I was going to move right past it. <laughs> <laughs> he missed the pod last game. <laughs> this guy's like, don't get me started. Let's go, go listen to the pod last game if you missed what we're talking about. So that's like, you know what? <laughs> you know what? You know what I want to talk about right now? We're still waiting for Ian McIntyre to get here, so maybe he'll save Connor Garland. Maybe Ian McIntyre is going to save Garland by the bell here with the bell here. But So... Do, oh, you know how we talk so much Lazy about line change by Ian coming across with <laughs> the gun. Okay, you know how we talk so much. He's coming right now. <laughs> you know how we talk about um, Connor Garland coming to that third line and being a real focus on that third line. Yeah. Was it him or was it Pew Suter? Ooh, the straw that stirs the drink there for Suter, because you know, not not seeing as much effectiveness. Mm-hmm. And we kept saying Garland, Garland, being on that line, not having Suter, to me, uh, is the bigger issue at the time for the time being. All right. Oh, you've heard a lot of our thoughts. We've shared a lot of yours on the text inbox and on the phone boards. We heard from Canucks players. But it's time to call in the closer, the man we call the triple threat. You watch him on TV. You hear him on radio. You read him on digital. He is Ian McIntyre. Calgary. I think everybody could see. There must be some There we go. There we go. I think everybody could see that they were just depleted. Depleted energy-wise, yeah. tired mentally. It had been a slog. But this was supposed to be the response game and and not in the, not necessarily that they had to have the ray game. That they had to look as good as they did this Saturday night right. as they did against the New York Rangers, you know, when they were playing them back to back. But they had to they had to bring more energy, which they did. They had to execute a little better, which I'm not sure that they did. But the bottom line is whatever led them to the third period, it's two two with twenty minutes to go. You're on home ice. You've got Thatcher Demko in your net. You've got your crowd. You've got mm-hmm. whatever you've built here for five weeks. And you've got this challenge from from your coach about the response that was needed tonight. And they gave up two, two goals on poor defending mm-hmm. or unlucky. You know, not only does Tyler Myers lose the puck, he then blows a yeah. tire. But the defending was poor on the go-ahead goal. The puck twice went across their goal mouth, which is one of the traits that one of the areas they've been much better at this yeah. year. Not allowing, them, not making Demko try to make these post-to-post saves. And while that was going on, the Canucks, other than the one Beauvillier chance about three or four minutes in, 
nothing going on in the offensive zone for eight or nine minutes. So while Seattle was just taking the game with those two goals, the Canucks had no response during that time. And yeah, okay, a little surge at the end. It would have been the miracle of all miracles in sports had they somehow scored a goal. I was amazed they got two shots on goal off face-off plays, including one at center ice. With eleven seconds to go, eleven seconds to go. Kronik had a decent look uh, in the dying seconds. With yeah, that shot. I mean, yeah. they set they set up the guy they yeah. wanted. They got the play that they wanted. Right, he faded from the faceoff, and he had he had the hundred mile an hour one timer. I don't know what his <laughs> shot was. It did look pretty hard again, but it's just you know, if you're really going to be the the team that you want to be tonight in the third period, that was just an example of of where you need to to step up mm-hmm. and find a way to to seize a game. Yeah. And and again, it's not that they've lost two in a row. They've had they've had this fantastic start. And I think we all recognize that. There's some kind of market correction coming because they're not really a 125 point team or whatever. Well, I thought they were going to be a 130 point team to be <laughs> right. honest. Yeah. So, we know the market correction is coming, but it's just the the process, you know, when good teams still when there's points available, they take them. And certainly this was a game where at minimum Canucks should have found a way to get a point being tied on home ice in the third period. So it's it's pretty disappointing. I did not attend myself uh, Rick Tockett's post-game press conference, but I heard what he said. And, you know, I'm not surprised uh, about the reference to line changes because it was an awful line change when Pedersen went off and literally... Uh, Oleksiak was the player yeah. directly in front of him. In fact, he bumped Oleksiak on his way off because Petey's so smart, he knows that's probably not an opportune time to change, but they'd been caught on the icing. Anyways, uh, it was interesting to hear what uh, what Talkett had to say. Clearly, um, he's not willing just to rationalize this away of, well, we've had a great stretch and all teams mm-hmm. lose two games in a row. The last time they had a like a really poor performance, like we were talking about in Calgary, was Philly, and they, they, they were challenged for a response, and they come back with Tampa Bay four three loss similar to tonight. But you said, okay, there's you saw that response and things that could translate to exactly the, the next step, and they go eight and two in the next run. Tonight was not one of those nights where you're like, oh, you need a response from Calgary, and that's the step. It's like this is where it's hard to see what the next stretch looks like. Yeah, I mean, luckily they have San Jose coming, but you know yes. that suddenly looks like a landmine as well. Yeah. But I mean, better uh, better San Jose than the Boston Bruins coming in at this point, and then and then it is a tough road trip. And you know, Colorado's been scuffling. They've had these dramatically different results. They're either very good or very bad. Yeah. But they're still Colorado. They still got Cal McCarr, and Nathan McKinnon. For instance, tonight they scored six in a row and they charge away to, away to this win. Yeah, and and then. Vancouver comes back to play Seattle, and Seattle looks like they kind of got their game back now. Yeah. You know, they had, they had a, a really rough start. Was it they lost their first five, was it, or six? Yeah, I think they were like, oh, five and one or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And, and so they've made up some ground, but they, you know, they looked like the better team tonight. They looked like the, the fast, transitional Seattle team that gives you no time, force you into mistakes, and then, and then they, they beat you with volume because they, other than Beniers, there's not a whole lot of superstars who are finishing for them, but their whole team is is pretty solid. And we saw what they did in the playoffs, so they're not an easy out. And then the Canucks do get 
San Jose again at second half of a back-to-back, third game in four nights. And it, it is kind of a strange schedule when you think about how often the Canucks are here and then away yeah. again, right? It's not... Even though they'd had a home game before they went to Calgary, they still traveled for five games in a row. So right. tonight was the sixth straight game they traveled. Now they're going to have one game out of seven they don't travel. That's San Jose. And then they're going to travel for, for three, three more. more. Yeah. So they're going to travel for, what, a total of nine out of ten games. They're and in Ottawa, to too. Colorado, Seattle, San Jose, back home. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, Listen, uh, I've covered the NHL a long time. I know they have no idea what the West looks like. I, I know this. Okay? Like, there's there's mountains. What, is there something after the Gateway Arch? Or You mean there's places west of Chicago? Like, what? The, the Canucks once had a back-to-back. I'm trying to think exactly what it was. I think it was... It was either Edmonton, Chicago, or Edmonton... Um, Minnesota, where you can imagine, so minimum, if it's Minnesota, it's three hours. Chicago from Edmonton is probably three and a half or closer to four. And you're giving away time on the time. They, right. Like the Canucks got in at five in the morning yeah. and they're playing the next night. It was ridiculous. So uh, geo- I'm never surprised by the geography of the, of the NHL that they would have to fly right next to home to play Seattle and then go back down south. Yeah, I mean, uh, the schedule doesn't do Vancouver many favors. It's it's also building availability that plays a part into it of as well. So, and that's I mean, there's building. all, there's all, all these things. factors. We, we, we want to make it sound so simple. <laughs> but so oh, many things like that. Can you imagine if we were trying to juggle 32 yeah. teams building availabilities and come up with a Well, schedule? they call it a, a schedule matrix for a reason. Like, it is like yeah. the actual matrix. To figure all <laughs> you guys have problems. I got spreadsheets. He sometimes. does. He's figured it out. Uh, so I, I'm kind of picturing the mysterious NHL schedule maker as the matrix. The, as, yeah. That guy with all the screens. And yeah. the, who's the guy? That the, who's the key maker? Is the king maker? The, the guy who had all the keys? Yeah, the key maker. The key maker. The, yeah. There's the architect. Yeah. Just <laughs> the architect. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the head coach's availability, and uh, I, I think the most terse response he had was around Andre Kuzmenko. Very quick, Kuzi needs to be play a lot harder. Yeah, and, and it's. It's one of those things maybe tomorrow Rick Tockett might regret. <laughs> and, and I say that only because we, we know what Kuzmenko, how close he came to, mm-hmm. to serious damage uh, a couple of games ago. And this is his first game back. But I also think it reflects that he wasn't off tonight, Kuzmenko, simply because he'd had this injury. He, he's kind of been running lukewarm yeah. for most of the season. Like, he's had some good games, but I would say he's he's been running uh, far uh, too tepidly, like not hot enough. Yeah. And and I, I think talk it's frustrated with that. But it sounds harsh, you know, when a guy, not only is he trying to play after missing only one game and his, his chin is looks awful, but he's doing it without the bubble on. Yeah. Like he's putting himself at risk because he wants to try to be his best and he can't be he can't be his best wearing a fishbowl. He he said that this morning. He can't see the puck. So this is what he's trying to do. In all of that, I uh, as I say, I think it sounds a bit harsh, but he's not wrong. 
Like, yeah. he certainly is not wrong. Let's put it that way. Yeah. However, however, the timing or the sensitivity or insensitivity of the remark, Rick Tockett is not wrong that Kuzmenko has to start playing harder. He has to get involved. And you can see, you can tell in a game like this where Seattle is, you know, ultra competitive. They're on every puck. They're racing you. They're they're battling you for it. If you happen to get there first, you can tell the guys who are getting there second and are never involved in the battle. And and that was that was Andre tonight. So he does have to get more involved. It's bedside manner, isn't it? More than anything, <laughs> to some to yeah. some degree. Like it's and and I'm fine with because we we love love it. But you're right. You may think about it and say I could have got that point across perhaps because he said that him. He's he's mentioned that one of his one of the critiques he has of himself is he gets a bit too angry after losses and, and the coaching staff has talked him down a few times. So these things come out, but he's not wrong. It's more about you know how you relay the message. Since you use that term, I can just picture you being so chill with your bedside manner. <laughs> Depends hey. on the situation. Yeah. How is it? How's everything? Yeah, everything's good. <laughs> I don't even want to get into what scenarios under <laughs> which these words might be uttered by you, but I can picture you being very supportive and calm and just... For the yeah. most part. For yeah. the most part. Yeah. <laughs> if, if all goes well. Vic, do you want to chime in here? I got nothing. You spent a lot of time with Sat, so... <laughs> He's like, no comment. All right. <laughs> He's like, I've traveled with that guy. I know, yeah. I know what's going on. All right. Uh, I neither so, need to corroborate so, or, or dissuade <laughs> any of this stuff. All right. So do you ever just lose your mind? Oh, yeah. You Watching do. Connor Garland. Yes. You do? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I have moments. These guys, though. Okay. Oh, him? Yeah, 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 all the yeah. time. Uh, see, I've never seen that oh, side of Sad. He's gone full. I was, I was producing He's for gone two full. Years. <laughs> Full uh, <laughs> lockdown, JT Miller, like full pandemic. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that far. Breaking sticks, screaming. No, not quite. But I have my moments. I have my moments. Big, I, I do rant and big, rave. Have you ever heard Sat in public during some kind of disagreement say, "Do you know who I am?" <laughs> I'm trying to think. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. No. 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 Never. All right. Never. I mean, I don't even know who I am half the time. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that brings us to the end of the show. But great stuff as always. Sorry Ian. I didn't get over here oh, sooner. It's all good. It's all good. Listen, you're busy, man. You got to uh, write. You got to do TV. You got to do radio. Long time writing. Awful jog across the rink. That's Especially at my age now. That's 500 writing right there. Yeah, I used staples to... Are, staples are our Bible on the show. Yeah. <laughs> I used to sprint across here. Like, Well, not right. quite, but... Comparatively, I would sprint, and now I can, and it's it's not that I can't. I couldn't. Like, I could survive it. Mm-hmm. I, w- I don't think I'd have a jammer as I came down the stairs. But all you'd hear me is breathing <laughs> for, the, <laughs> for the 12 minutes. Well, you've done I'm that on. before. Remember that once Try- I get to yes. catch your breath? Is Trying to catch my breath and moving the mic away and covering the mic. And well, it's also um, the fi- make up time with the stride, though. Just lean into the stride. Yeah, it's low ceiling. I always feel like I've got oh, you're to right. yeah, as, yeah, I'm, yeah. as I'm That's running. True. That's true. Right. Well, the final minute of the game took like seven minutes. So maybe if it didn't like take basketball. that long. Yeah, <laughs> it really was. And you couldn't like finish up. Wait, they might score. Maybe they tie it. Uh, all right. Uh, Ian, great stuff as always. I look forward to reading your latest on sportsnet.ca, and that should be up soon, if not already. Bick Nazar, great stuff. Back again on Monday for People Show and also the post-game show. Canucks and Sharks. Special thanks to uh, Eddie back at the station, Lena here at the rink. I'm Satyar Shaw back in Canucks Central and the post-game show on Monday as the Canucks host the Sharks right here on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Have you ever heard Sat in public during some kind of disagreement say, do you know who I am? (laughs) 